You're listening to The Deep Cut, a podcast by Atlanta Christian Church, hosted by lead pastor Derek Sweatman and community and spiritual formation pastor Joel Mooneyhan. Each week, we take a closer look at the history and theology surrounding the week's lectionary text to give you a deeper knowledge of God's Word and what it means to us today. We're glad you're here. We hope you enjoy what you find. And now, let's get started. We're back. The, yes, the final week of Easter. Final. The great 50 days is almost over. I said that last week, too. I know. Yeah, but, but now it's now it's really now almost it's over. real. Yeah. And uh, before we get started, let you guys know, uh, probably take a break. After this week, we'll do one week off. Yeah. And then I think we'll come back and do a... Uh, intro podcast on like season after Pentecost because Pentecost Sunday is coming up this Sunday, right? And then we can do like a we'll do like a little tutorial what ordinary time season after Pentecost looks like, which is the longest season of the year. And then uh, and then we're doing the Romans track straight through. It's a long, I feel like it's eleven or twelve weeks long, maybe longer. I can't remember. Um, so we'll have some fun doing some Romans podcasts. Oh yeah. Um, and we'll have some resources for that because no one should read Romans without supervision. Exactly. <laughs> There's going to be some nerdy stuff on the deep cut. Yeah. We'll make it fun, but we'll make sure we have some good lifeguards in place uh, yeah. to throw some life preservers out there. So it should be a lot of fun. But today, um, from this past Sunday, man, what a great... What a great little passage. This is the end of First Peter. So usually at the end of these epistles, um, you get this um, kitchen sink sort of thing where mm-hmm. the um, the writer, and you find this in most of the epistles, the writer starts throwing out those, quote, last words that he wants to get in. Oh, by the way. Yes, and don't forget this. This is the mm-hmm. most important thing. And um, and what's interesting is that the whole of First Peter is patience and hope and suffering and dealing with adversity and all of those things and keeping an eye on your life and how that should look uh, to the world around you and so on. And so it swings all the way back to um, this last call on the reader's lives, starting with verse six. And I'll read through verse 11 where Peter writes, humble yourselves, therefore. So therefore is that big, this is, a, this is a summary of everything yeah. we've just done. Uh, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, uh, because he cares for you. Probably the biggest phrase uh, yeah. there. Be, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings Suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Very key. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So this is really cool. Uh, Let me set up a little bit of context. If you back up in the first part of chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, it's very interesting because Peter is now speaking to the leaders of the church. Yeah. He's speaking to those who are overseeing the, the lives of the people there. So this is a like a top-down 
um, piece of the letter. And so he talks to the elders, um, and he's speaking, as he says in verse 1, as a fellow elder, an elder is an overseer. Um, I didn't do the Greek on this one, but I'm sure that's presbyteros. That's my guess. Um, yeah, you can look it up for me while we're running through it. And um, But I love these words in verse 2 and following. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God who as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So the context here is uh, those with influence um, over people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the days of social media, we all feel like we have some sort of influence over people. Or at so, least we want it. At least we want it. So yeah. this could really apply to anybody. <clears throat> uh, but specifically in the church, those who have influence over people. So we could think about, obviously, us as staff, our elders, but also people who are leading groups and book clubs and teachers and so on. I mean, just whoever those people may be. And um, the charge here is that uh, we all might be examples to the people around us. And thus we end up in verse six with this final command to be humble. And I think that's a good starting point. Yeah. Whenever you, whenever you see the word therefore in a passage, stop for a second and read at least last few verses that come before it mm-hmm. but because that whole thing is rooted the, the example that you were just talking about it's an example rooted in humility and uh, last thing before the passage we read clothe yourselves therefore all of you with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud gives grace to the humble therefore humble yourselves before God so it's it's building this idea of church leaders who who shepherd a flock, but as they do, they do it as an example of what it means to be part of Christ's flock. So even though you're a leader, you're setting an example for what it means to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. And there's no stratification there. Uh, and I did check it as presbyteros. It is. I was just looking at it. Un parakelo presbyteros. And Himen Ho Sim Presbyteros. Kai, Martis, yeah, so on. Yep. Um, so the humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So humility <coughs> humility is many things, but it is an act of, um, it's a purposeful act of remembering that you are human. Um, and it's interesting that this is still not still, but this has always been an issue with people that we get to a certain point in our lives and we forget the, the pathways we had to walk mm-hmm. to get there. Yeah. And we also forget that other people might be still on that pathway somewhere back. And, you know, so we arrive quote unquote at some place of, you know, enlightenment and we feel like we have evolved and then everyone else behind us is unevolved. Mm-hmm. And, um, and therefore, although we might not use these words less than, right. You know, like, well, they should just be more X, Y, and Z or less X, Y, and Z and be like me. Well, I think you also get into, because of that, you also, you forget that there are people who are also further ahead than you. Absolutely. And you've run into that, that I, there's nothing more I need to learn. There's nothing anybody else can teach me. I got it figured out. Mm-hmm. And again, you forget, like you think how I, I don't, 
I can't tell you a moment that changed from from the time I was 25 to now, just gradually, you know. But I think back at 25, I think a completely different person. And you have to remember that as as far as you've come in your journey, whether it's a matter of time or experience or whatever, there are, there are people who are way ahead of you on that too. And so, one, not to be proud of the fact that you're ahead of other people, but also remember that there are people who are, to use that language, ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Just you know, keep keep your mm-hmm. keep yourself in that that posture. I always think of what Paul says in Philippians, where he instructs that church to continue to work out their salvation, yeah, with fear and trembling. So it's like it's a reminder that this is a constant uh, formation process, you know. Yeah, I was looking at uh, the pet. Revelation twenty one five, and it's I'm making all things new, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of this, the idea of salvation and renewal and uh, and restoration. When you when you get into some of that nerdy linguistic stuff, it's really interesting where it becomes a they use a word that means it's ongoing and it's in process and it's happening and it doesn't really have a definitive end. Yeah, um, but it's it's really cool when you start noticing that kind of thing because it's. The, the words that are chosen <clears throat> for that kind of tense right, uh, are typically are always something having to do with renewal, salvation, yeah. um, uh, redemption. And I think in 2 Corinthians, is it 2nd? 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he, he is, is a new creation. And in the, in the, in the way that Paul wrote that, you know, in the, in the Greek text... It's just it just says new, new creation. creation. It doesn't say he is or they are. Um, and and if I'm if I remember correctly, the way that is worded, um, yeah, Second Corinthians five seventeen. The way that's worded is that that new creation is something that is always happening. Yeah. So it's it's um, it's we're we're continually being made new. Yeah, and <clears throat> to the to one side of that is the encouragement that, hey, you're not finished yet, Mm-mm. and you may never be right this side of heaven. Uh, so don't get down on yourself, and don't feel like you should be at some point further along or not, because that's it's, we're all in the process. But coming back around to the humility thing, also remember that uh, you wherever you are, you still have miles to go. Mm-hmm. And and we're, if if the aim is to be a person who is like Jesus, then I mean he's so far ahead of all of us that it doesn't matter how far ahead of each other we are because yeah I mean it's like saying I'm halfway to the moon when uh, when I'm in a when I'm in an airplane and someone's on the ground you still got to get to the moon yeah it reminds me of and this might feel like a complete 180 but. It reminds me of a bit in Dave Chappelle's latest Netflix special. And he says, I'm going to do a couple impressions for you. And they're, the first one is just silly. But the second one is he goes into this tirade. He's like, I want you to figure out who this is. And he goes into this tirade about how – and it's just a he, – he takes on a character. And the character says something like, hey, if you ever did anything in your life five months ago, five years ago, 15 years ago, and you did something wrong or whatever – and uh, he's like, I'm going to find out about it, and I'm going to ruin you, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
and people are laughing and they ask, you know, he asks, who's, who is that? And you can hear people in the audience say Trump, you know, or something like that. And he's right. like, no, that's you. It's you. It's you. Yeah. And, and, and just like a second, he just levels the room and like brings in this reality of like, we love to find, uh, we love to go back in time and find where people were still in process mm-hmm. and somehow hold them you know what I mean? Like it's hold them to the standard now, but yeah, they weren't. You know, I mean, it would be like making fun of a toddler for not being able to run a marathon. Exactly, or, or making fun of a marathon runner for not being able to do it when they were a toddler, rather. Right. Like, of course they couldn't. Yeah. Again, and there are probably things in your life. One that if you went back, you would feel like, man, I should have had that under control. Well, you shouldn't have because you weren't there yet. And there's probably going to come a time where, again. A year from now, five years from now, 15 years from now, you might look back at where you are now and think, oh, we should. That's awful. You we should. Really should. Yeah. I say this in every wedding I do, but I talk about how, like, you should look back on this day and laugh at how much you thought you loved each other at the moment. Right. That's the goal. You know, it's like, man, we were so silly and naive because that's the way that's the way formation works and discipleship in particular works. Like we grow and discipleship is odd because sometimes we go forward. Sometimes we go backwards. Sometimes we go sideways. And, um, but it's not, it's yeah, we have to, and this is, this is what we're getting at here with humble yourselves. It's like, and I like that that's the command that we have to like actively humble ourselves Mm -hmm. under, not people's opinions, not anything other than just God. And the language here is frightful. The mighty hand of God. And um, it's really drawing the comparison between yeah. who you are and yeah. the mighty hand of God. Yeah. You know, so on a practical level, we go and pray and sit in quiet time. It's like there's no sense in pretending that we're still in process. Right. Or that we or that we've gone sideways, you know, because God already knows. Clearly he already knows. If God doesn't already know, you need a new God, you know? Right. <laughs> if you think you're going to surprise God, with yeah, you might want to look for another God. Yeah. Um, it's certainly not the God of scripture. So I, I love this, not because I'm good at it, but I love the way it shifts towards, Hey, your part in, um, all of the things that Peter has talked about, but especially here, and he might just be again, talking to leaders, but we can all take something from this to remember that not everybody is where we are and we, and we are somebody else's not where they are. Right. We have to remember that we always forget to have someone ahead of us. Yeah. You, and you, we love having people. It's important us. to have that too. Cause I, <clears throat> I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people who I know that as I've grown, when you're younger, it, it feels good to have somebody who's older, wiser, more experienced or whatever. And I think, the older we get, the more we, the less we seek that out from people. And really it should be something that we're constantly seeking out because yeah, you, there's always going to be somebody who, who can offer you insight or encouragement or advice or just help in this thing. Mm-hmm. And again, you go back to that language in the first, uh, first part of the chapter, <clears throat> this whole idea that, no matter where we are, we're all, even if we're shepherds of a particular flock, we're all part of the flock of the great shepherd of 
Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so in that regard, none of us have any room right. to boast anyway, right. because we're all part of, we're all submitted. Um, we're all servants to, to Jesus. And it's a good practice to like, maybe just sit with it for a while and think, okay, we don't really have a hard time naming the people that are quote behind us in life and unevolved, so to speak. Cause we, you know, that's just weight humans are, but you know, to sit with the question of like, well, who is it that's in, in my life personally that I would say is way ahead of me and spiritual formation, et cetera. And, you know, how are they influencing me and how are they uh, pouring into me? And if you can't name a person, then that's a good task to take on is to find someone. And it's weird being a pastor because a lot of people just see us as that person in their life. And, um, which is fine. It is fine. We take it with, you know, as much humility as we can. And we, it's a, it's a, uh, what's the word? It's, uh, we're an honored to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the goal would be that, uh, they would find that everybody would find, you know, someone who's much more closer to them. You know, right. if we don't necessarily know them as, as, as personal as someone else. But, um, so I just think it's, you know, who do you call when you have a spiritual question, mm-hmm. you know, or who do you call when you have a faith crisis question? Um, so I think that's a good activity. Yeah. I mean, and <clears throat> I, I don't know how it is for you. I've, I've got several. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there, I have a couple of friends I went to seminary with, uh, yeah, I talk to my folks. Um, you and I bounce things off each other, but uh, it's also good to have you know have a few. I mean, just because it's it's good to get different perspectives and to and to kind of check where you are is kind of a calibration, um, kind of triangulate. You know, are you are you really in a good place, or or you know are the people you are surrounding yourself with the right? the right kind of influence, are they helpful or are they destructive or, or whatever? And so again, the, the whole idea of community and the more, the more people you have, it's just, there's something to that about, you know, the more other influence uh, yeah. that can, in a positive way and keep you, keep you in the lane. Yeah. I, I love how, uh, there's a couple more commands in here. Mm-hmm. Um, one about casting all your anxieties on him. So again, this rolls back into the context of the whole letter, which is wrought with anxiety. Right. Um, so there's that, how we do that. Um, I feel like that happens in a couple different ways. One is there is just the literal in prayer. We're casting our anxieties into the hands of God. We are saying them, we are naming them. I think that's important. Um, but I think also this, is a communal thing too, that we have people around us that know our anxieties, that know um, what we're going through so that they too can be not only praying for us, but assisting us in some way. And so that we also can do that for others. I think it's not just um, screaming into the dark. It's there's, there's people with skin on that are there that God has placed in our lives to, you know, to walk with us through these things too. Yeah. And I've, I've been, that's another thing I've been reflecting on recently is you'll see people who ask, you know, where's God? Where's the evidence of God in this? Or why can't I see God doing this or that? Or how can I? And I just think a lot of times 
God gave us each other to be image bearers of him Mm -hmm. in community. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're having a hard time seeing it, check and see how plugged in you are. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean at church, uh, but yes, at church and, and how connected you are to, to, um, to spiritual disciplines. And Mm -hmm. are you, uh, are you giving of your time to serve others or are you spending time with other believers and, in yeah. prayer and study and that kind of thing. And it's amazing when the, I mean, the, the first time I got involved with the group here, uh, just the way that community rallied around me during a frustrating time mm-hmm. um, and the way I've seen it happen in other, in other places, that's where uh, the body of Christ becomes a living, yeah, living and breathing body. And you really start to see things happening. So, it's like the phrase I've heard before, but a summary, but basically like the hands and feet of Jesus are on, they're attached to your wrists. Yeah. You know, yeah. and your ankles. Like I just heard it said that God has no hands but our hands. And our feet, but yeah. Yeah. Another version of that. Yeah. It's great. So it's important to see that. I did, uh, <clears throat> out of curiosity, I looked up the word that we translate into cast. It's, uh, it appear of Santes. Uh, it just means to throw. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing really yeah. particularly esoteric. About I like throw better. Yeah, To cast, to throw, it's all the same. Throw sounds more, I'm angry. Because I thought maybe there might have been some sort of like fishing term along with that. Yeah, for some reason. true. But and it, 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 it may be used in that context, but literally it just means, it's not even specific to that. It just means to, yeah. to throw. Yeah, because if I've thrown something because I'm angry, I don't say, well, I, I got angry and cast that. Yeah. I cast that roll of paper towels against I the wall. I cast my phone across the room yeah. when I got off the phone. Threw it. Threw it against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, um, and then he cares for you yeah. is just a gem. And it may be, and to my, you know, from my perspective, these five words uh, are, are, are truly the most powerful in the whole letter, you know, because, and I don't think they've been said until this time. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just where I land on those. I mean, all the whole of this letter, I think flows into those five words um, in many, many ways. I, again, I know in context, Peter has shifted his attention to people with influence and oversight, but you know, everybody in the ancient, you know, in the ancient church, these letters are read. Everybody's hearing these things, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so he cares for you because he cares for you is such a good reminder. Well, the great thing about that phrase is that what, who, uh, you can say that to a room full of people. Um, and it will hit, everybody differently no matter where they are mm-hmm. that's a that's a meaningful to know that you're cared for yeah and I, to that I would even add you know there's there's a lot of God is love uh, this idea that we have of God being a loving God who cares for us that's pretty unique to the Judeo and even more specifically Christian Mm-hmm. view. Ancient religion in general is not based on 
the God's love and care. It's not. It's just not. I mean, yeah. they might be, they might be merciful. Mm-hmm. They might be benevolent when the mood suits them, mm-hmm. um, suits them rather. Uh, but I mean, and you go through just. It doesn't take much homework to to understand that if you have the idea that God is love and that we should be loving, therefore, it comes from the Bible because mm-hmm. it's not anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Uh, and again, like I said, other religions have views of God that are positive, but this idea specifically of selfless love and care for your well-being mm-hmm. and safeguarding of your soul to the point of coming down and living among us and dying and mm-hmm. resurrecting very specific it's pretty foreign to the Jesus story. Yeah. Yes. So I think again, to my, you know, from my perspective, it, every, everything is this one right here that God cares for us. Yeah. And therefore, I mean, the implication here is that we should also care um, for, others. for others. Yeah. And, um, or at least, be carriers of that good news. Yeah, hold on. Um, there's one thing I wanted to look at. Yeah. Uh, so reminded. Uh, this is, uh, I'm looking in the, the interlinear. Um, it's just right there at the start. Hold on. We need music right here. I know. Do, 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 do. Because he cares for you. And that's another thing is it's it's a I was looking for it's it's a second person plural yes so he's it's everybody he's talking to everybody yeah which means he the implication is that everybody in that room uh-huh. who's hearing it is a recipient of that care and if everybody's recipient of that care then it's not for us to withhold it from that's anybody. right yeah yeah it's not our care to uh, handle it's his care and um, yeah and rarely. Is the Bible spoken to a singular person? Very, very, rare. very rare. And usually, when it is, it's not good. No. When Paul's calling out people, it always cracks me up. Yeah. That poor Alexander, the metal worker. <laughs> what letter is that in? I forget. Uh, but he calls him out, man. It's just like I, can't remember. I have no use for that man. I feel bad for Alexander. Yeah. You, you are now. He's just standing in the back of the house church, and they're reading that letter. Unbeknownst to him, his name comes up, and Paul says, "I got no use for that guy." And everybody, everybody has to just look at him like, "What did you do, man? What did you do?" You know. And he probably threw his hands in the air like, "I don't have an idea. I don't know. The guy's moody. I'm going outside. <laughs> this isn't any fun." Um, well, with that, I will. <laughs> the only thing I would leave on, uh, since we're moving out of this whole uh, thing, is that. This just the whole book of First Peter landing where it did mm-hmm. in relation to uh, being in quarantine and being in a pandemic, and mm-hmm. all of that. very timely. But and it and it had been a while since I had spent any time with it. But this is it's a short book, and honestly, I I think it's a good book to spend some time in yep. daily for a few weeks because it's I mean in. The five chapters, it's 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 two pages front and back. Yeah, and it's encouraging. It's easy to read. It's hopeful. Yeah, and uh, it it's one of those that there's he doesn't name check Alexander or anything. <laughs> so when you when it's 
when you come away from it, you know, it's, it's a positive uplifting Mm -hmm. and it, it really does a lot to remind you of, of who God is, what God is doing why there is hope in Christ. So I, yeah. my encouragement to whoever finds this, whenever they listen to it, if it's this week or next year, yeah. go spend, spend a week just yeah. reading this two or three times a day. Yeah. And it's, it's cool. It's good. It's a good book. Good word, Joel. Well, that's it friends. And again, we'll take a week off next week. So no deep cut next week. And then we'll come back uh, the week after that with a, a little tutorial on the next season we're about to enter. And we'll dive right in with some fun stuff from Romans. Perfect. Fun with Romans. Fun with Romans. Grace and peace. Later on. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Deep Cut. If you'd like more episodes, want to listen through our archives of sermon series, or if you're in the Atlanta area and want to learn more about ACC's mission and ministry, you can find us online at www.atlantachristianchurch.org or follow us on Instagram at the handle Atlanta Christian Church. Special thanks to Jeff Box and Dave Hick for our musical themes, and thanks again to you for listening. We'll be back next week, but until then, y'all have a good one, and go with Christ, grace and peace, and we will see you soon.